0: Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And welcome everybody to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm. I am your host for the show. My name is Tim Seckler. I am an attorney. I'm a certified elder law attorney. Uh, I own the Secular Law Firm. Our main office is in Mars, Pennsylvania, but we're serving clients across to, uh, across western Pennsylvania. Uh, and what we do uh, around here is we help families with some of the most uh, difficult decisions they make during their lives. Um, and, you know, we try to be there through stressful times. So we, we help people with uh, things like the loss of a loved one. We help families plan for uh, a loved one that needs long term care and trying to protect assets perhaps for the healthy spouse uh we uh we also help young families try to determine what is the best way to plan uh for your young kids if you're not around and and so we uh we deal with real life around here we deal with some pretty difficult things and it's things that <clears throat> you know people like don't like to think about they don't want to talk about what happens if I'm not here and who's going to be there for my little girl or they don't want to talk about you know Mom is slipping, and we we need to have a conversation around what happens if we can't take care of her anymore uh and And so we are here to sort of coach people through that and help them through that and I use this radio show as sort of my little outlet to uh to give you my thoughts on how some of this stuff works uh to give you what I think can uh makes up a good estate plan rather than just having an estate plan um and uh and you know it occurs to me that <clears throat> a lot of people <coughs> like to do. The planning. A lot of people feel good because they have a plan, um, and and it makes them feel good because they check the box of having done something. But you know, I don't. I'm not sure that's really the objective here, guys. Um, I think the objective is to make sure not only that we've done something, that we've done something really well. And and one of the things that really bugs me is is when families come in here, and maybe I'm the second lawyer that they've been to, or or then uh, you know, or they did some planning several years ago with a different attorney. And they'll come in with with documents and they they'll say, oh, my guy uh, just did this simple will plan for us. How much is your simple will? And, and you know, we just need simple wills. And I, I always that always makes me cringe a little bit because the idea that all you need is a simple will and, and uh, is is one that you need to make a decision after some education. OK, so. um we need to understand, like, like I, I, I like to explain to clients as we go through our educational process. Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you the menu. I'm gonna show you the whole buffet. You, you choose off of it what you would like to have, but I'm not in here assigning that you're having chicken for dinner if, if what you would prefer is is shrimp. And, and so then the idea is, at our firm, and why I like doing this radio show is because I like educating people on their different options and the different risks and the different things that they can be thinking about. And if you'll engage in me in this conversation about what is the best thing to do for your family, not just the thing that's easiest to do for your family, then I think we can do awesome things together and we can take care of your family, take care of your savings. But um, I had a, I, I do these workshops, right? And you should come check out one of the workshops. We do them uh, monthly up in uh the Cranberry Mars area uh we have some um some coming up online so you can find all about the workshops and uh if you want to do a Zoom webinar with me uh we have one coming up always uh you can find out about that at sechlerlawfirm.com. that's my website s e c h l e r lawfirm.com and if you go to the workshops tab there you'll find all of our upcoming events and and you can come and ask me all the questions you want and and learn you know, sort of my take on some of the technical things that I talk about here on the show. Um, but I had a fellow in the, in the, uh, in the workshop last week and, and I'm walking through, you know, some different documents and some different things that we do and why we do them with our clients. And he says, well, <clears throat> raises his hand and says, well, I have a uh, I have beneficiary designations on everything. Aren't I good? Uh, and so let me just explain what that means. Beneficiary designations. If you have a uh, a financial account, an investment account, or a life insurance policy, uh, a lot of these accounts, you, with your financial institution, can name a beneficiary. <clears throat> and in the naming of the beneficiary, you're essentially telling that financial institution that when you pass away, here's where I want you to send the money. I want to send it to my kids, or I want to send it to whomever you name. Um and beneficiary designations can work as part of an estate plan. Almost every estate, almost every client I have has some beneficiary designations on something. IRAs are required to have beneficiary designations. But here's the thing. No, I don't think the guy's okay. And and I told him, I said, well, I said, here let me ask you a few questions before I just say are you okay? Uh, are you concerned about this? Are you concerned about that? Let, let's have a let's have a meaningful conversation about what really keeps you up at night, because what a beneficiary designation really does, at its core, it's not even at its core, it's quite obvious what it really does, is it names who gets the stuff in the event that you pass away. You know that that's the one question a beneficiary designation answers is is who gets it, but. Aren't there some other questions we ought to be wrestling with? I mean, if if the only thing lawyers did or if the only thing you needed to do in a state plan is answer the question, who gets it, that makes my job pretty easy. Right? But I can tell you my job's not that easy and because what we really wrestle with is we really wrestle with a whole lot of other questions. All right. So, for example, what happens if I go to the nursing home? What happens if, if I uh, make this decision? What are the tax implications? What happens? If I leave my money to my kid and my kid dies before me, where's it going then? Is it going to his kids? Is it going to his spouse? What happens if those kids are little? What happens if one of my kids is in an accident and is disabled by the time that we're going to have an inheritance? What happens if I leave my money to my kid and my kid uh, goes through a divorce after they receive their inheritance or they pass away a couple years after uh, I do? Is their money going to their spouse? Is their money going to the kids? And these are tough questions that— we uh we we want to teach you about because these are the things that people really want to plan for you know and and what estate planning is really all about is is who is in control at a given point in time and who's got access at a given point in time uh is it me is it my family is it my kids is it the government and who's in control around here who's making the decisions and who can get to my stuff <clears throat> and we use documents like wills and trust and powers of attorney to answer those questions um and so uh with this, and, but I think the gentleman's question is spot on because everybody is in this business—the the, the legal profession, the financial profession, the banking profession. Uh, there's this common idea that you need to put beneficiary designations on everything, and, and why is that? Well, one of the reasons that people like to do beneficiary designations is because it's simple, right? Um, if I pass away and I've got my kid named as a beneficiary, he provides the right paperwork to the financial institution, he gets his money. Uh, so it's simple. It's relatively easy. Uh, and I, you know, we don't have to – but I think the real thing is right now if I'm looking at doing an estate plan, I, not, I'm not really thinking about hitting the easy button for my kid. I'm thinking about hitting the easy button for myself. Oh, you mean I just have to put this kid's name on my account and then I don't have to think about this anymore? Well, that's – I'm going to do that. But look – is that really good planning? Like the fundamental question here isn't isn't should you use beneficiary designations or should you use a will or a trust? The fundamental question that we're wrestling with here is who do you want to be? Uh, are you are you the person that's looking for the easy button? And there's no shame in it. Look, if we, you know, I, a lot of people go about it this way. But if 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 you're the type of person who says, well, all right, I understand that that's easy, but there's a lot of things that's easy and it's not the best thing. Fast food is easy, but it's not the best thing. Um, what are the other options? Like, I, I don't want to just, I don't want to just have the fast food. I, I don't want to just check the button that I've uh, that I've planned. I want, I want a good plan. And when people tell me that they want a good plan, then then we get to engage in a good conversation about what that means, and and we go through uh, a conversation about their morals and their values, and and what are we trying to accomplish here, and what are the things that that are on your mind at three a.m. And once we get to that conversation about what really keeps you up and and we can we can have conversations about how to plan for some of those issues. Now we're having now we're having an effective estate planning conversation And a couple of common things. I've got a little bullet pointed list here of some things that that I'm seeing as trends for people wanting to plan for. Uh, and these these questions, these issues, are not issues that you can really plan for simply using beneficiary designations. Because the way I look at a, at, at people that rely solely on beneficiary designations is, <clears throat> you're living in a fantasy world. I mean, you're you're living in Mayberry. You're living in a, in a situation where everything's Pollyanna, and and when you pass away, the the marriage that my kid is in now is going to be intact, or the marriage that my kid is going to be in in the future is going to be a good one, even though we haven't even met this person yet. Or we're living in a world where we imagine that um, our kids can't die before us or we're living in a world where we imagine where our kids can't become disabled or where our grandkids couldn't receive an inheritance and who's going to be in control of that money until they're 25? Are we really using a beneficiary designation on an account that's going to leave $100,000 to a grandchild on his 18th birthday? Is is that a great idea? Um, Beneficiary designations are easy but that doesn't mean they're a good idea. And and so what uh what is it that we're looking to accomplish? And oftentimes um uh, one of the things that we need to plan for is let's just take your 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 family where mom and dad are married and they have kids, okay? So your your Mayberry family that has the white picket fence or whatever. They have three kids. They want the money to go to the three kids. And so, but what happens if one of those kids dies before mom and dad? Because this happens. It it happens all the time. Um, Now, that child leaves children. So mom and dad or my client has a grandchild or multiple. Well, okay. Where does the money go? Most of the time, the answer is the money goes to those grandkids. You know, if child A has passed away, give the money to child A's children. Great. Great. But what if child A's children are eight, nine, ten years old? Who's in control of the money? Is it their mom? Is it their uncle? Uh, is it a professional? And you know, there's no right answer to this. The key is having the conversation and making a decision, and not letting, not letting the rules of the world dictate it for you. Because like one of the issues, if you let, if, if my son dies before me and leave, and I'm leaving money now to his children, um. If I put their mother in charge, you know my former my former daughter-in-law in charge. Maybe I love my daughter-in-law to death, but I leave money to these kids. Daughter-in-law is managing. And what happens when my my daughter-in-law remarries some other guy? Now who's in control and who's got access? Is that really a, a situation that we really want to have? Because I'm not I'm not buying motorcycle parts for my daughter-in-law's future husband. That's that's not what I'm doing. And so perhaps the better idea is we actually put some structure behind the estate plan that says, well, if underage kids, you know, if my grandchildren are going to inherit, they're going to have to deal with with their aunt or their uncle, one of my other kids, uh, to receive distributions. Not their mom. Not that not that you shouldn't love your son or daughter in law, but let's be practical about the planning and, and let's keep let's keep the dollars in the checkbook. Uh, in the hands of somebody with morals and values consistent with what, you know, what you have, the way you live your life, and so that's that's an issue. Underage planning and really thinking through some what ifs of your kids or your grandkids. You know, if, if we're leaving money to young people, who's in control around here, and, and who's going to provide the right guidance, and, and under what circumstances uh, can that grandchild? get money. And one of the things that we like to do is we like to stagger it over time or at least stagger the control over time. So they get increasing access to the money over time as they age. So that's one thing. The other thing that I'm going to say most by a wide margin of my estate plans are, are almost always going to include is, um, is disability planning because any of us could become disabled at any point in time. And, you know, with the prevalence of things like, Dementia and the, the prevalence of things in young people like autism or other, uh, other disabilities, um, that, that could pop up with young people, you know, accidents happen. Um, and it's been my experience that people with disabilities, whether it's a, a intellectual disability, whether it's an, a, an emotional or, or a psychological disability, or whether it's a, a physical disability, um, a lot of these folks end up having to ask the government for help because their disability, to some extent, will prevent them from making the money they need to make, maybe prevent them from working. And so disabled people tend to ask the government for benefits like SSI benefits and Medicaid benefits so that we at least get them the necessities. And, you know, that system could go a lot farther for people, in my opinion. But there's a risk that if I have a future grandchild who may not be disabled today, heck, he may not be alive today, but by the time I pass away, I've got a disabled grandchild. Um, and I leave that grandchild an inheritance, then now they're gonna have too much money. Am I am I putting at risk their ability to continue to get their monthly check? Am I am I putting at risk their ability to have health care? Am I putting at risk their ability for uh, for housing benefits? Uh and we really need to think about what happens if a disabled person asks, receives money? And this is not a question that you can answer with a simple will, and it's not a question that you can answer with a beneficiary designation, because those documents fail people, right? We don't get the question wrong very often. We as a legal community, I mean, you know, we as humans don't generally get the question wrong who gets the money. But... What really screws up families, and what really will blow your life savings, and what really what really throws gasoline on bad fires, is is leaving an inheritance to somebody who's got something bad going on: disability, early death, dementia. Um, whether if I leave money to my kid, and my kid is going through a divorce when he receives the inheritance, uh, now now what have I done? Or if my kid is going through a lawsuit and receives an inheritance, what have I done? And, and you know, there's there's ways to plan for this. And, and this is what we talk about in our uh, live workshops. So um, if you uh, if the things that I'm saying in today's show resonate with you and you're interested in how to, uh, learning how to do a, uh, a really strong estate plan for your family, come to one of our uh, life's tough questions workshops. Now, now, you know why we call it the life's tough questions workshop, um, because we, we wrestle with these tough questions. But the idea is understand them, understand the answers to the problems, understand that there are solutions that allow you to do some some really good planning, and then uh, and then come check it out. So more information on the workshops, go to secularlawfirm.com and go to the workshops tab. Now, um, I do want to, to drop a little note since I'm talking about the website right now. If you are a social worker, calling all social workers, calling all nurses, calling uh, nursing home administrators or anybody else really that's in the healthcare field. <clears throat> if you would like to ne- learn more about the elder law stuff, uh, what we do for families when somebody's in a nursing home and we're working hard to try to protect their savings, their home. Uh, if you would like to know more about how nursing home Medicaid works and how you can you can uh, take steps to help your, your patients and help them not lose their home, on May 21st, it's coming up next Friday, we are... Um going to do a free continuing education uh, elder law boot camp, and it's a webinar. You can find it on my website, secularlawfirm.com. Tune into the webinar. I'm going to teach you all about how Medicaid eligibility works. I'm going to teach you all about how uh, spend down for Medicaid eligibility works and how you can help people protect their savings. And for nurses and social workers and nursing home administrators, uh, you will get four free hours of credits um, that you can then um, – that you can then apply for with your different accrediting agencies, and uh, and get your credit. So we're doing the education for free. If you owe them a few bucks, then you owe them a few bucks. But come and get the uh, come and get the education. We're doing it May twenty first again. It's all morning long. I think we start at eight a.m. It's an early start. So join us, please. You can find out more about it at the dot com uh, website. So. I do want to talk about this one other issue i had I had teased a little bit before I got into my little mini advertisement there, and that is that um a lot of my clients are interested in um protecting assets from their kids from their kids' potential future issues like lawsuits and disabilities and divorces. So let's say I'm concerned that my kid uh in the future could have a divorce and I think that that's a valid concern. Now, listen, my kids are little. I, I, they you know, they at the stage where they don't even like to admit that they have crushes on people, but um but let's look down the road and and uh and imagine a situation where uh my daughter is married and and she thinks happily, maybe her husband doesn't think so happily or maybe I've got questions around this guy's character and uh and I, let's say i've saved some money and i i ultimately want to leave it to my daughter what happens if uh in the fact pattern my daughter receives that inheritance and does the smart kid stuff like we like to think our kids are smart as most po- folks do so my daughter uh takes the money and pays off uh the mortgage on the jointly held house with her husband or she takes it and does some home repairs or buys a minivan for all of my future little grandbabies or um or uh, I don't know, goes on vacations, and wh- whatever's left, um, the money goes into a joint investment account where she she lets the money grow, and her husband's name is on the account, and you know they're using the money as they see fit. And then a couple years later, uh, my uh, my daughter's husband um, decides that this marriage, this whole marriage thing, isn't for him anymore, and he files for divorce. What happened to that money? What happened to the money that I saved, that I worked hard for? that I did good estate planning to make sure that the government didn't get it. My kids got it and my kid actually gets the leftovers. But what happens if she goes through a divorce thereafter? Because you know, like if you read the statistics more than 50% of marriages end in divorce these days. So you've got marriages ending at a greater margin ending in divorce than in a happiness. And I think we're being naive if we're pretending that that couldn't be our kids. Um, and so what I like to do for folks who learn about this and and, uh, and are concerned about it is we create what we call um, separate shared trust or beneficiary controlled trust. But essentially, your kids, <clears throat> or it could be your nieces and nephews if that's your world, but i just like to say kids. If it's your kids that are going to receive an inheritance, then um, that money goes into a trust for them that they have a small hoop or two that they have to jump through, but pretty painless that they can get to the money whenever they want, but their creditors and predators and divorces can't. Um, so you can leave your kids an inheritance where they can get to the money, but the the would be wolves of the world cannot. And, and you know, that to me just seems like, wow, that's, that's a pretty good idea. You know, my, my dad, um, <clears throat> and I have a wonderful relationship and I, uh, I've never really gotten involved in his estate plan. There's this like family boundary thing that most lawyers don't like to cross. But if if anybody would ever ask me, let's say I'm going to make up that I have a rich uncle and he's going to leave me some money. He would ask me, Tim, how would you like to receive your inheritance? Would you like to have it outright or would you like to have it in a trust where you can access the money over time, but your would-be creditors and predators and lawsuits and divorces and whatever can't get to the money? I'd say, well, uncle, it's nice that you're leaving me money. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to have it in the trust. You're telling me there's a, there's a vehicle in which I can receive my inheritance. I can get to it when I want to, but nobody else can. Yeah. That's what i yeah. Yeah. I'd like to have that, uh, rather than have it in my own name exposed to the next car accident I might get into or, or whatever fake accusation somebody may make at some point in time. And so, yeah, I'd like to have, I'd like to have that money protected. Um, and so, you know, it's just something you should think about. Now, I, I explain this in a workshop when we do the workshop every month and people are like blown away that you can do this. Well, people have been doing this for a long time. The problem is lawyers <clears throat> this is this is all Tim's opinion at this point. But the problem is a lot of lawyers don't take the time to educate their clients that there's these options. Um, you know, you come in, you don't have ten million in bucks in a bank and it's well, simple wills for you. And it's, uh, to me, that's just not the way to do it. I I have this conversation. If you got 50 grand or 5 million, we're having a conversation because your money means something to you. And, uh, and I'm sure you didn't work to accumulate whatever you have to lose it to, uh, taxes and to lose it to the nursing home and to lose it to your kids divorces. Uh, and when we have vehicles that we can put on paper, we have devices that we can create through estate planning that can protect your money from those things well why the heck wouldn't you want to do that Um, and so yeah come check it out go to secularlawfirm.com check out one of our workshops where we talk about all these things if you come to a workshop we offer you a free estate planning consultation where you just sit down with myself or one of the other lawyers around here who are all fabulously friendly people and uh, and have a real conversation about what the best uh, thing for your family is rather than what the easy button is Stay away from I'm not not entirely stay away from beneficiary designations, but at least think about the beneficiary designations before we rely on those, because you do not live in Mayberry. It may feel like it sometimes. Maybe everything's going right for you. But I can tell you, there's a lot of families that I meet where everything was going right, right up until the point that it wasn't. Uh, And then they find themselves in a situation where uh, I wish we would have known sooner or I wish we would have planned. Don't don't be the family that says, I wish I had met you sooner because we could have protected it from this, that or the other thing. Um so upcoming workshops, upcoming live webinars. Quick reminder, if you are a nurse, a social worker or a nursing home administrator, we have a free upcoming uh workshop for you <clears throat> that will provide you with uh 4 hours of continuing education. It's on May 21st. Uh you can f- register for it for free at SecularLawFirm.com. Uh I think it's under the workshops tab, but you'll find it and if you go there, uh, you can get it uh, and uh, uh, get access to it and get your free education. So there you go. I do want to to mention one tool. And I, I, on this show, don't talk an awful lot about you should do this or you should do that because I'm concerned that people are going to make decisions based on inaccurate or, or incomplete information. But I've, I've been getting a lot of questions recently <clears throat> around a, uh, um, a device called an irrevocable asset protection trust. Uh, and so... I have a minute or so left here here Here's an asset protection trust in a minute or less. Uh, we use asset protection trusts for middle class Americans to protect assets from things like lawsuits and nursing home admissions uh, because one in three of us are going to end up with dementia if you listen to what the alzheimer's Association has to say um, and so we can use trust to protect assets from long term care expenses but the other nice thing about using certain irrevocable trusts is uh, when when you do ultimately pass away, we can get your kids to uh, to get their inheritance a little bit faster because the irrevocable trusts are generally outside of the reach of your creditors, so we don't have to sit on the money forever. Uh, so um, we can protect the money not only from nursing home stuff while you're alive, but we can also protect it from things like final medical expenses, uh, Any uh, if you die in a car accident and somebody's coming after your stuff, we can use a trust to protect assets from that issue. We can use trust then to set up trust for your kids to protect it from their potential future divorces and lawsuits, etc. So I uh, I like these devices. We do a bunch of them. Uh, you should come to the workshop and learn more about it. Uh, and uh, and I invite you to check out more about that at secularlawfirm.com. Remember, folks, that uh, the radio show that we do here is for educational purposes only. You should not make legal decisions based on what you hear on my or anyone else's radio show. I hope you enjoyed the show. See you next week.